four four whole seasons four, four seasons, seasons of yeah. af tf we more like are the fourth time <laughs> the fourth time we've come to you with 12 new and old shows to discuss in the Kirara Umbrella. Welcome. Indeed. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a season of probably mostly old shows, because we've set a rule that I think we're going to be sticking to, which is it's only going to be Kiraras this time. Season four. This time, genuinely, it's all Kiraras. It's all no Kiraras. wiggle room. Nope. No, no fucking um, grandfathered in special cases. Probably not. No second or third cousins to Kirara shows. Probably. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, lofty goals. Lofty goals. There's not going to be non-non-biori. Let's just put it like that. Yes, uh, non-non-biori will have to wait, uh, I suppose. I guess so. I guess so. Um, but what, what what we did watch, we watched what, what the, the oldest or one of the oldest Kiraras. Um, Ronka uh, has alerted me that it is not actually the first ever aired Kirara. It, no. It, Hidamari Sketch did beat, did beat it to the punch. did beat it to the punch. I think several times I said it was the first Kirara anime, and I genuinely thought it was. I thought it aired in January, and Hidamari Sketch aired in uh, April. It's the other way around. Um, actually, I think it said in April. I think it, said in, it started in June. So, yeah, Hidamari Sketch was still the first Kirara anime, but this is the second one. And, and what is this? That's right, it's... It's Dojin, Dojin work. work. It's Dojin Work. Woo! Woo. Woo. Um, yeah, Dojin Work is an interesting show. Interesting um, show, Not yeah. a show that I had known about before the podcast, so I think... Can we safely just skip the previous experience segment of this uh, episode? Mostly, yeah. A uh, One bit of it will come up again later, but generally, yeah, I knew it okay. existed. Uh, I was vaguely aware of it. I didn't know it was a cure for the longest time. I just knew it as this, like weird like slightly apparently like out of place for the era it came out in otaku comedy and that's what all i knew about it and that it was not particularly good but i'd never seen it myself and if it hadn't been a career i probably never would have gotten around to it yeah that makes sense i can say that about a lot of shows on this podcast actually <laughs> um but we did in fact watch it we watched it and the uh, live action segments. I think some of you yes. in the mailbag were worried we didn't, but don't worry, we hella much watched the live action segments. We certainly did. Uh, these are live action sections. Originally, the show was aired in full length blocks, but 13 minutes to be anime, and there'd be a 10 minute live action section about the VAs afterwards. But, Mallory, yes. who are these VAs? Oh, wow, what a smooth segue into our cast and crew. Someone's favorite um, part of the podcast. Someone's favorite part, TM. Our main character, Najimi. Uh, Osana Najimi. Uh, by the way, getting this joke out of there fucking a uh, decade before Komi-san existed, so that's funny. Yeah, for real, actually. Um, voiced by Masumi Asano. Um, she is perhaps most well-known as uh, the main character Hakufu from Ikitosen. What? Really? Yes, really. I didn't realize she was hacking. Oh my, okay. That, that explains why she gives such a good vocal performance. Yeah, she's fun. She's in there. Uh, another couple that I wrote down, uh, Risa from Hayate Combat Butler and Black Rose in the Dot .hack games, which means nothing to me, but hopefully means something to someone. Yeah, it means something to some people. Okay, good. Uh, so Najimi is our main character. She is your average... Um, young adult who has friends who make doujins, uh, childhood friends actually, who all make doujins, and she's curious about this new and exciting world, and she um, decides to make her own doujins 
uh, work. She tries to do enter her dojin work, and that's the show. Um, the characters in question are... Um, I'm gonna go in a weird order because we're gonna end on a couple special actors who are in the show a lot more than in the anime. Mm. Um, so we have uh, her rival, Yaoi Dojin author, who is similarly amateurish and not good at drawing uh, to the result of several gags. We have Kaneru. Um, Kaneru um, Hido? Nido. Nido Kaneru. Is that a pun as well? Are any of the other names puns? I think they might be, but I didn't look too closely at them, but I am, I'm pretty sure at least some of them have to be. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Nido Kanedu, I don't actually know off the top of my head what the joke is. Okay, no offense, no worries. Um, Nido Kanedu is uh, voiced by Ito Sakata, who has done literally no other named roles. Oh, okay. Only ever, uh, functionally her only ever starring role in a show that was half-length from 2007. Uh, and she doesn't really appear until, like, episode 4. But she's great. Big fan. She definitely has the first-time Seiyu kind of lilt to her voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I um, find quite charming. Oh, I'm a huge fan. Something else I found fairly charming um, was uh, the character who is, like, Najimi's only fan. He always comes by and he buys her doujins. Uh, but does he have something else in mind? Perhaps he is grow <laughs> he is becoming attracted to her. Let's watch the show and find out. It's Jinichiro Hoshi, as voiced by Kazutoshi Hatano, another voice actor who this is his only named voice role, um, wow. with the exception of uh, this is funny. Uh, his debut was on Korean television's Key Fighter Taidang. Okay. Which I couldn't, which I don't know what that is. It's from 2001, and it looks like it's from 1981. Um, and he, I don't know if he actually spoke in Korean or if he was like speaking in Japanese in the Korean show, but it aired in Korea in 2001 and then later got a Japanese dub. But it says I... that he voiced the original run, so that's weird. Maybe it's one of those cases of like uh, Japanese Korean co productions, because a lot of those in the 2000s. Pretty rhythm. Yeah. Japanese Korean co production. True, but Pretty Rhythm aired in Japanese in Japan first, right? I believe so. Maybe it was a simultaneous airing thing. I don't know. Potentially. Anyways, another um, another voice actor who went on to do nothing. Um, God bless. Wow. He is he is baseline entertaining as Hoshi. Yeah. Uh, the other main guy in the cast is um, the tall, handsome, striking, black butler-looking ass <laughs> motherfucker. His name is Justice, and he is the leader of the... Um, most uh, prominent doujin circle in their little cadre of friends. He is, seems to be well-known by face and by name when he goes into the Tora Noana. Um, he is a local hero of doujins. Justice, voiced by Hiroki Yasumoto. Well, well-known to Ranka as Chad from Bleach. Okay. Uh, well-known to me as Guile from Street Fighter and Nekomaru Nidai from Danganronpa. Okay. And uh, I'm throwing this out there because I think some friends of mine watch this. He's Shingo in Yoamushi Pedal? Yes. Okay. Uh, he's, what you got, Ranka? He's he's Germany from Italia. <laughs> Let's go! We are back! We are back, folks! Did he's, you miss he, us? We're back. He's quite... He's, he's one of those... Like, it's a weird cast, which is like half people who did nothing ever again, half people who had like fine careers, and half people who are just still around, still in like 10 shows a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hiroki Yasumoto, one of the classic, like, handsome guy, but also very comedically 
uh, apt voices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, capable of going very, like, fucked up, like, Fist of the North Star villain voice with it. Like, the Nekomaru stuff is very different from most of his oeuvre, but yeah, he's good. Good versatile guy, funny in this show, good stuff. And that brings us to our last two of the main cast, who are actors that we saw quite a lot of because they were the stars of the live-action segment of the show as well. Mm-hmm. Um... Najimi's childhood friend uh, Tsuyuri, who is a sort of sardonic, quiet type who is constantly teasing and needling Najimi for various reasons, voiced by uh, Momoko Saito. Uh, in terms of other podcast shows, she was Miho in A Channel. Oh, okay. And in terms of more recent stuff that blew up, she uh, voiced Hatabo in the Osomatsu uh, reboot stuff. Who is Hatabo again? Hatabo uh, like, was one of the comedy. People. Some of the weird mascot comedy people. I think, like, the tiny one, but not the one who's, like, the ramen stand guy, Odin stand guy. Oh, the one who has, like, the little flag on his head. Like, the really weird Yeah, the one. little fucked up flag guy. Yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, um, those are her big things as of late. And finally, uh, we have Sora, who is Justice's tiny little friend who cosplays and helps out at the events. She also draws herself. Um, we'll talk more about Sora later, I think. And uh, she's voiced by Kimiko Koyama, um, also one of the art, one of our beloved uh, budding artists in the um, live action segment, alongside Momoko Saito. She has voiced uh, Komoe in Index, and then the thing that I've seen her most in is um, she is Pepe, the little baby fairy. That oh, is Yaya's sidekick in Shiguchara. That's oh, right. Oh, okay. Which actually sounds very familiar now that I yeah. think about it. So. That, that one's pretty in the pocket for the baby voice. Um, yeah. So that is our main cast of six. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty fucking, pretty tight little show. Um, let's talk about production real quick. Mm-hmm. The director is uh, Kenichi Yatagai, who has done some other stuff. Very weird over to look at because it seems like Dojin Work was the last show that he was the director for. Uh, but... He did one show afterwards, but it's not very good, so... Right. But prior to prior to this, he was a director for Megazone 23 Part 3. Oh. Um, some Bubblegum Crisis OAVs oh. as well. Like, you know, stuff of renown, you know, things that were relatively big. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the director of B-Boy Kidnap and Idol, which is maybe one of the funnier titles I've ever seen. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, lots of weird OVA stuff from, like, the late 80s and 90s. And then uh, storyboarded exactly one episode of Genshiken and exactly one episode of Endro, which is just so fucking weird. So he's still working as of 2019, marking 30 plus years in the industry. But yeah, as far as directing a whole series, Dojin work is one of the more prominent ones he's done, it seems. Yes, he also seems to do a decent bit of direction on some of the Tenshimuyo stuff. Right, right. But yeah, he seems Um, From 94 and 03. Huh. More OAV work. Yeah. Ooh, he did Super Dimensional Fortress Macross to the movie. Oh, gee. That's he fucking is... sick, actually. It's really funny because he seems to just do the sequels to things that no one likes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, he did a lot of work on Strike Witches, which is something that we do like. We do. So like... thank you. What thank you, sir, for your. Is this where you reveal your... he directed the, the Uncle Owen episode? <laughs> uh, he actually didn't direct any. Uh oh. 
He directed the finales for um, original Strike Witches and Strike Witches Two. Okay. So I think his uncle. I think his uncle Owen Safe certified. Okay. Phew. <laughs> oh no, he did episode one of uh, Victory Arrow. Um. Oh. Is that the one? I think it's episode two. I think. Okay, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for now, because we love Strike Witches with 99% of our hearts. And we have to respect Kenichi Yadagai because of the trip, The what I must imagine is a difficult production for the show. Um, so here's something that I tried researching, and I it's rare that I'm researching something for this podcast, and I hit such an immediate fucking brick wall that I just give up. Um, Ranka, do you know which, which studio produced this anime? Uh, it's a weird one called Remick, right? Yes, Remick... Um, if you, if you go and you find Remix Wikipedia page and you look at list of shows they've produced, um, it would appear that the only show they've ever produced, like the whole show is, uh, Renkin 3Q Magical Pokan, which it says here is actually also directed by Kenichi Yatanai, but I don't know what the fuck that is. So I let it drop uh... and then they did Dojin work and that's it. Yeah. It's a two show studio. There, there are just studios like that. We sort of forget them because they tend not to make things that end up being very iconic. But it is... Always keep an eye out when you're looking through the season charts and look at some names and make a note see if you ever see those names on some of those studios ever again. Because sometimes you do and yeah. sometimes you really don't. Yeah, really big learning experience for me of just being like... this is. I think this is the first time that I've looked up something for the show and been like, oh, this studio existed uh, and did two shows and nothing else and i couldn't find like parent company or like spin-off or like founded by noteworthy director or like founded by person or like any information um shortest wikipedia article i've ever seen in my life like just um yeah surprising for me so yeah shout out to remick i hope that everyone there is okay uh everyone who was there <laughs> is doing okay. okay yeah yeah it's curious uh people tend to actually the people i know have seen rankin sanku magical pokan seem to quite like it I think it's one of those situations sure. where it's like, oh, this show is watched by five people, but they're like, it's actually pretty good. So, probably something I would like if I watched it. Etchy fan service, magical girl parody, robot girl, vampires, werewolves, witches, wolf girls. Whoa, okay. I think there's something for Sign everyone in this show. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, who knows? Who, it could be good, it could be bad. Uh, Aya Hirano's in it, though, so it's probably goaded. It's probably uh, right, Momoko yeah. Saito is actually also in it, so that's great. Um, okay. Alright. Maybe we'll watch that at some point. Moving on. That's gonna do it for cast and crew. It's a weird show with a weird production. Um, yeah, that was kind of all I could find that was noteworthy. Besides, um, there's numerous, um, well-known and, and beloved illustrators from other Kirara and similar series that do the end title cards and the preview illustrations over the course of the show. Um, besides that, that is what I got. That's fair. Yeah, the uh, end cards are really neat. I, I'm sure we'll go yeah, back to Yeah, there's some really good ones. They're, they're cool. Yeah. I did look into who wrote the anime, but it seemed to be someone again with zero other credits, as far as I yes, can tell. Yes, Ray Kuni. Uh, it seems that their only credit is series comp and script on Dojin work. Wow. Yep. Fair enough. Such as it is. Uh, moving right along, let's talk about the show. Ranka, how'd you like Dojin work? Oh, and to be clear, to be clear... Mm -hmm. The like just for the audience, the live action segments are so different. Like they're they're an entirely different show from the anime. Yes, they are not related in any way outside of their their baseline subject matter. Yeah. So when we talk about the anime, we'll be talking about the animated segments exclusively as one Kirara show. 
think of the live action bits as like a funny bonus <laughs> that we will discuss in its entirety uh, after our first little break here. Yeah. And so without further ado, discussing the anime solely on its merits, mm-hmm. Ranka, what did you think of Dojin work? I thought she was really good. <laughs> she really, really liked this. Uh, I was yeah. generally just very impressed with its worldview, uh, its sense of humor, and it, tell, it manages to tell quite a decent little fun story with, I would say it's emotional, but it, it touches on something deeper in a basically six episode long OVA, so to speak, which is like about 40% um, yes homo jokes by volume, which is also good. Pretty much. And then 20% vague other assorted sex jokes by volume. Yeah. Um, oh, quote, was... she is mainly into sexual assault. <laughs> no, I thought it was, it was a really, a really charming show that I think reminds me a lot of why I liked Stella Nomaho, of all things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's really good at creating a sense of community and, like, genuine nerdishness amongst its cast. Yeah, I think that this, like, passes, like, the otaku comedy for otaku about otaku test. Mm-hmm. Um, where it seems to know what it's talking about, it seems to care about what it's talking about, yeah. and it um, weaves in the right amount of references so that the audience at home goes, ah, so you're on the level. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the jokes and the ethos are just like very respectable, nice um, things to want to put forward. Uh, a show about doujin work, a show about if you get licensed, you can't make doujins anymore, and doujins are what you want to make because they're fun and your friends are making them, and making art is fun and rewarding unto itself. Yeah, it was a yeah very sweet show. Um, it's funny that so sh- that so soon after our shorts episode, we talked about like I think more shows if they were shorter would have just have a lot of trimmed fat. It's a good trimmed fat show. Like it's just yeah. very punchy, very to the point. Uh, yeah, highly enjoyable for what it is. Definitely, I I do think the trim fatness of it is pretty pretty good i would i would say ultimately why it was like wow wacky girl is nicely paced it did still feel like it was on fast forward this show doesn't feel like it's on fast forward it just feels like it's the good bits yeah literally it's it's just it's just the good bits it's kind of interesting because it's a adaptation of a six volume manga that i think finished shortly after the anime did i'm pretty i'm fairly huh. sure this doesn't adapt the entire manga uh but it does does I think acquit itself quite nicely as a one-off? I wouldn't mind that being one, honestly. But yeah, I thought it was a very, very complete kind of watch. And I do think it it really it's a bit of a throwback because it's not the oldest Kara, but it's a it's a it's the second oldest we've watched because it is the second oldest of all of them. And I think it's almost a little bit more representative of Kira as a whole than Hidamari Sketch because Hidamari Sketch is. Uh, very unique looking show, very visually weird show that also has run for four seasons and several OVAs and is massively iconic and influential. Much more so than I'd say the average show we watch for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And I think this this feels a lot more representative of what we are actually watching a lot of the time. Although it still kind of isn't because it's an ensemble comedy and it's uh, about uni students or older characters. Uh, and it has a lot of male characters, and it's primarily comedy above feeling a healing show. Oh, definitely, it's primarily a gag show. It's a good gag show, though. It is. I think it is. I think it is a good gag show. Um, 
uh, so we've talked about this briefly, but the general plot is that Osana Najimi wants to make doujins because she thinks they will get her big crazy bank. She hears about the numbers that Justice sells and the numbers mm -hmm. that Tsuyuri sells and how cheap it is to produce your own work. So how hard could it be to make money off of making and printing your own doujins? Well, it turns out uh, you're, she's not good at drawing. Uh, her art is so bad that it becomes memetically popular and then she does kind of sell out. Um, and then she realizes that if she actually sold out and became a hired uh, published author, she would not be able to make more doujins, and that would really, really be sad for her. So in the end, she chooses to remain with her doujin work and just sort of have fun learning and growing with her other artist friends and, and yeah, meeting new other artist friends, etc. And that's sort of the whole, that's the show. Yeah. It's It's nice. It's simple. It sticks to its guns in terms of what it cares about regarding the proliferation of independent work which i think is like really nice and just mm. pleasant to see and there are some parts of that that dovetail into the live action segments quite a bit that i thought were exceptionally charming um right. but like i said we'll tackle that after the break um yeah as far as the show itself the gags are pretty good there's a lot of like very traditional like um comedy of errors like oh that wasn't a sex thing. It sounded like a sex thing, and this goes on for some time. But a lot of them end up being fairly funny. They're fairly um, funny, so... and they're always, they always go a little bit further than you expect in generally pretty good ways. Yeah, I would say so. Like, I um, feel... A lot of the gags with, uh, especially Kaneru, who is specifically like a yaoi um, uh, doujinshi author. Um, sorry, I forgot the word for author. Um, oh, I guess yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I dojinka. The canary. Not sure that's the, a real one. That feels like a bit of like that feels a bit like shoujo eye of like a fake thing, English speakers have made up because it's. I think it is a fake thing. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds fake to me. Um, but Canero as the um the resident yaoi author, um, I think provides a lot of very fun, uh, delightful um nosebleed gag moments that are always charming to me. They're always going to work. I'm a big fan of the nosebleed gag, especially when the men are being objectified, <laughs> um, especially when it's a great uh, misunderstanding, and especially especially when it's a guy and his brother. Um, really funny stuff. Um, Canero is a beast for this one. Power to her. Yeah. I, I think an example of a show where the show, I think, kind of rises above, I think, where many of its peers would in the era, is how one of the longest fast jokes, which is pretty much all borderline two episodes long, uh, of Tsuri, the menace best friend to uh, our main character, who basically, after a while, just starts trying to fuck with the rest of the cast for the sake of it. Like, there's a bit of a logic to her actions that she is very much invested in Najimi's development as an artist, and will go to extreme lengths to make sure she improves by actually giving her a rival in the form of Needle. But it, it then eventually goes to an ex extremely extended and funny bit about tricking tricking Kaneru into thinking that uh, Justice and Hoshi are in a romantic tryst together, and thus manipulating Kaneru into forcing Hoshi to pseudo-confess to Justice well, Hoshi is thinking he's asking Justice's position, uh, asking Justice's permission to get in a relationship with Najimi because Justice views himself as Najimi's big brother. It, it all goes on to extended lengths, but the the final punchline. Oh, no, it's the, it's the section before that that has the insane gag about 
Justice distrusting Hoshi so much that he writes pseudo RPF between him and Hoshi, where he turns Hoshi gay. Yeah, he writes like the five hundred page. <laughs> oh my god! It, like, like, is it genuinely normal to write an entire published um doujin about the way that you will fuck this guy's life up if he doesn't do exactly what you want? Five hundred pages. Five hundred pages. 500 pages, casual. That's light bestseller. work. Bestseller. That's, that's dojin work, light work. Yeah, <laughs> bestseller. Yeah, there's like... just lots of extended bits where, like, I would say this almost is sort of like in your family guy model of gag, where, like, mm. I cannot believe this joke is still going, but it eventually really does, like, make good on it and cash it in. Um, I think it's kind of hard to pull that off, so I was pleasantly surprised by those. Yeah, it feels like a sense of a style of humor that I feel isn't that common in a majority of comedy series like it almost feels to me it's it's like especially i think comedy series that go for like the haha otaku joke stuff where it tends to be a bit more quick fire or a bit more sudden like reference joke kind of thing while here this almost has like kind of the hinamatsuri style build up and continuous build up you think is gonna let off at some point and then just doesn't until it reaches a truly bizarre finale so yeah, I was I was impressed by its comedic chops. Uh, we haven't talked much about Sudi, which is kind of surprising because I think she is the source of a lot of the show's best jokes, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. As this like, well, not, so- source of the show's best scenarios as this strange little, strange little gay hat wearing demon, who hangs around, uh, draws <laughs> non kondajinshi uh, and. Just sort of flirts with any woman in the in the surrounding area in a way that I think is also strong. Is that you always think there's going to be like a joke about when Suri starts hitting on Najimi, but there never is. She she just wants no. that girl badly. Yeah, no, that they that some of the gags never cash in. I think that the author, or you know, the source material, I they they're very invested in leaving a lot of the weird flirting open ended in a way that is very funny and yeah. that is not afforded to all the straight couple stuff in the show which is the stuff that is mined for comedy unendingly yeah. it's 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 a very it's a very distinct kind of two relationships i also think um just a big big fan of like how najimi and kaneru are introduced as rivals and it just sort of intensifies from that point onwards um i think that they genuinely have a great relationship with each other oh, i love they they go fully sort of they, they they have the Kilu and Gon bond by the end I feel yeah, like yeah yeah they really really do they really do they they strive each other to be stronger and uh, they wear matching shirts at the at <laughs> the, the function the matching shirts I was screaming and crying the I spent a lot of time so in this show yelling just fuck her on, at the yeah. screen a lot of the time um really delightful I also like I think correct me if I'm wrong but the framing of Nido as like an office worker yes. and they say like she's 24 as if that's too old to be doing doujin work and it's I guess Najimi's like what like 20 and yeah. saying like oh my god she's 24 is maybe the most 20 year old thing you can possibly do <laughs> yes um but just it just ugh, I I all the stuff all the gap moe with Kanero being like the grown-ass woman with a job and then like she's like the most mentally ill like I my stuffed animals are talking to me type of Fujoshi is just if not, if nothing else, very true to life. Not very just true to her form. stuffed animal, but her stuffed animal that's named after one of the famous saints, say a yaoi man. Of course, of <laughs> course, of course it is. Oh my god. So good. 
I yeah, when that Najibi, oh, Najibi, when Nido showed up, I was like, oh, this this feels like the character who's gonna make Mallory have COVID. Yeah, Nido made me have a little bit of COVID. The <laughs> the Nido Najimi stuff was really really good. It Big was really fan. Strong. Um, I think other parts in this show's comedy that I love are the way that the show. We touched on this with, like, our lack of understanding of what Remick is or where it came from or what has happened mm-hmm. to it as a company. Like, Remick does not exist anymore at all. Um, this would, might lead the, the listener to assume that the show is somewhat low budget, and that is true. Um, yeah. I think that a lot of the show's low budget moments are just work in its favor. Yes. For more than one reason. A, the, uh, the snappiness of the animation is just really funny a lot of the time. Like, they, this show does a lot of, like, um, character, uh, flips on the Y-axis transitions between, like, talking, um, like, like, cells. And those are just so funny. I love every time they flip a sprite on the Y-axis. I think one, one aspect that, that doesn't really work for me, uh, just because it seems kind of artless, is when occasionally parts just turn into manga panels... But not in like a way that's like at all visually interesting, because I think no, it is genuinely just manga panels. Yeah, like there's. No I think if anything, stuff. it's. I think that, I I did not read much of this manga, but I think that those panels must just be from the manga for real, because the art style is different enough and yeah. frankly, um, like more on model and sharper enough to be like. I think that that must just be the manga. Yeah, but the points where they use it is like so random it's random it doesn't feel like it was a specific cost saving measure it feels like a bit that they were like this is kind of ties into it being about the jinshi artists and then doesn't actually do anything with that little did they know if they had kept the entire show um off model low budget animation it would have spoken more to the ethos of the dojin model by (laughs) virtue of being like you know we do what we can we make it ourselves it's very diy you know like it has a very diy vibe like um the thing not the show um i would say although it's not super well made it's it's not to me it's like the kind of show that knows it's not high budget but kind of plans around it exactly 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 like any like super off model faces or like specifically cheap looking bits it's just like oh this is a the show is janky not ugly yes that's great for them. Which, which is sort of like my sweet spot for shows that are this yeah. cheap. I want them to be janky, not ugly. And yeah, um, goal achieved. Big fan. Um, I also think like the fucking... Um, there, there's like a dream adaptation of this in my mind that would <laughs> just like lean more into the meta aspect of that budget um, like, like aspect. Yeah. Like the, there's an entire gag, there's an extended gag... A, a, um, a set piece, if you will, in the final arc of the show, where Najimi's latest doujin goes viral because it is the epic. Um, she drew every single face the same in every panel. Every single panel of the doujin is same face, same angle reuse. And I can just picture a version of this show where, like, they discuss the merits of this after the fact, and it is the same face being reskinned to all the different characters for that like about be... two minutes. That would be so good. Oh, man. So, I, if, like, this is the kind of show where, like, I think it is of its era. Like, you know, it's that, it's a slightly tacky, slightly older otaku-centric comedy before the otaku-centric comedy became, like, the Jacking Itself Off festival. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. But also, later enough that the otaku-centric comedy is no longer novel on its face. So it's just sort of there. It's <laughs> in the middle of this era that doesn't really have a well-defined beginning or ending. But if they made the show again today, 
that is what I would do with it. And I think it would fucking, I think it would do numbers. I think it would do big numbers at the box office. I think, yeah, if it had a bit of that, that botchy the rock almost approach to its utilizing its topic in like a more meta way. The genius uh, QRA analyzers say, if this show was sort of like Bochy the Rock Rock. made today, it would go numbers at the box office. I, yeah, but you know what? I don't disagree. I know what you mean. I'm just saying, like, I just, you know, it's true. We, I think that way. It is Um, interesting that the show was um, contemporaneous with Lucky Star. Yeah. Uh, Is there a Lucky Star reference? Is Sora wearing um, the Lucky Star Seifuku in the final episode? No, no, there is... There is one lucky star thing, but it's in the live action section. I noticed. Um, there, there is. But that's true. Otherwise, I don't. I don't think it's definitely so. I think it would have been, the production timeline wouldn't have been right, and I think. Yeah, I. I don't think so. I think that's just a popular surfing of the era. Gotcha. But that I makes sense. Wrong. It is the colors that make me think. Oh yeah, that's from two thousand seven. So they nailed it. Yeah. Uh. Obviously, we don't need to talk about Lucky Star again on this podcast, but, oh, I, I, but I will say, I I think this author has more friends than the Lucky Star author, and it comes. I think that's probably team. true. <laughs> I think this <laughs> okay. author is probably genuinely a bit of a cool guy. Yeah, he seems pretty normal. What is really interesting, uh, see, it's, it's, it, it, that is kind of curious with the way in which the show's feelings on Dojinshi creativity goes into. Uh, towards the end. It has basically a, a really good speech at the end that I won't spoil too much in case you watch it. It's a really short show and you should watch it. Where it kind of talks about how sometimes making things that are really shit that no one actually likes is cool because you do it with friends. And even if your friends also tell you it's shit, at least you made something and got an experience out of it. Which is cool. I agree it with has this. The, yeah, it has the feeling of um, someone who has done that for many years and then is now broken big. Like, you know, this is his manga that's getting an official yeah. adaptation. But it still seems like he he isn't being smug about it. He seems to still genuinely believe in that in that ethos, which I which Definitely. I think is nice. But it is really fascinating in that this guy has had four different anime based off his manga. Yeah, this guy has a one hundred percent hit rate for all of his various serials. Uh, getting getting adaptations, which is like insane. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't think I've seen it either, and I don't know whether it's because he knows has connections in the industry i mean dojin work was pretty good so like i wouldn't blame them and also when you do dojin work you make connections in the industry connections yeah so i could totally believe it it is very fascinating that the show with this very sweet message then went on to be like (laughs) i say c list in the context of where like an entire a to z list exists yeah pretty much where this goes um C-listish author can end up being extremely successful in his own little niche for years and years. Yeah. Uh. To be clear, his other work includes, um. And so Dojin work is his first manga, mm-hmm. starting in two thousand five, and then he did the comic artist and his assistants, which is much more of like, sort of like a love harem comedy thing about yeah. a manga author and his multiple assistants, mangaka and cherry boy, um, Yuki Ito, etc. And then we have Aho Girl, more of your straightforward rom-com uh, gag manga about a girl I, I who like is Aho really girl. stupid. Right. I have never read that, it, but I have nothing against it. That girl is so stupid. It's crazy. She's so dumb. She's so dumb. She's so dumb. Because she has so much swag with it. And then he most recently did Girlfriend and Girlfriend, um, which I have not read. Uh, it's about a guy who has a girlfriend who is gorgeous, but then another 
sweet um, girl uh, says that I have made you lunch, and then he asks his first girlfriend for permission to date both of them, and so that's like whatever, dude. Yeah. But all I... of these have gotten anime adaptations. Anime. Girlfriend, Girl- girlfriend Girl- has gotten two seasons. Yeah. Was or, or rather, season two is coming out in October of this year. So. So this you. dude is fucking rolling in it. Yeah. Um, it, it's 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 very funny that one of the guys who cares the most about independent work has just become the sellout god in a way that I ultimately am forced to respect. Frankly, oh, like I can't sure. even be mad. Like I think none of us can be mad. And you know they're four seemingly pretty different series, so yeah, good. For him, I would I say guess. two of them are about one thing and two of them about another thing, but yeah, that's fair. Yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, shoutouts oh. to favorites of the podcast, uh, Junya Enoki and Ayane Sakura for being two of the three main characters in Girlfriend Girlfriend. Um, I will not watch that shit, but God bless you all <laughs> for getting paper. I speaking of paper, one of the funniest fucking jokes in the series, and every time they they went back to it, fucking killed me was the nice paper. Nice paper is such a is such a real fucking thing. Um, even when the work itself is not awkwardly bad, whenever I was picking up a new doujin in uh, Japan, I was like, "This is nice fucking paper." <laughs> it is. It is kind of memorable. I do have um, friends that listen to this. So it's fine. Uh, when I was in Japan assisting people with their doujin shikatsudo, I remember one friend who was a, uh, I would say maybe an artist, probably closer to Najibi's level than Justice's level. Uh-huh. Uh, when when we had her book printed, I was just like, "Oh, this is pretty rough." Uh, but and we ended up getting very nice paper for it. So I do own yeah. a Kuso Dojin with extremely nice paper. This is a really so... nice paper to have for your Kuso Dojin. It's really um, nice paper. Oh god, that's so good. Yeah, the nice paper <laughs> gag was so real. Um, there were a lot of jokes in this that I was like, "Oh yeah," they brought me back to being at um bi- like being at Big Sight. Oh my mm. god. Speaking of, uh, Big Sight itself is is one of the unsung stars of the show, appearing yeah. every time they go to any event. Um, is yeah. anything besides Comicet actually held at Big Sight? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was oh, just double-checking, because I was like, this takes place over the course of five years, based on how many events <laughs> they go to. <laughs> I The amount of times they go to Big Sight is slightly surprising. It's not impossible. So, yeah, a few events happen at Big Sight. Um, Comitia which is the original Dojinshi event, and it does seem that both Nido and uh, Najimi are mostly doing original works, is a few times. There's also a lot of just Dojin events that happen, but a majority of the ones that do happen tend to be more more women-aimed, I'd say. There's this thing called Comic City, which is basically an amalgamation of several smaller events that happens basically, it feels like every couple of months. But it te- Comic City itself is technically not its own event. Like, you don't actually go and necessarily sell at Comic City. You go and sell at one of the many sub-events that are going to be at Comic City. So there'll be, like, the Token Rambu mini-event organizer and the Idol Master Yaoi mini-event organizer and the... But they also get stuff like Shirobako will be there, which is... I think it's just generally, like, this is the event that will not have a lot of straight male porn in it. <laughs> it's kind of the, the rule that goes by. You know what? That makes sense, and that's fair. Because, I like... The show focuses on not um, straight male porn. Uh, like like the the main focus, the focal characters of the show. Like Najimi produces. Oh, I would Na- describe it as Najimi's shoujo drawing straight male porn. Technically, but like I think that her heart might be elsewhere, and also her skill level is <laughs> elsewhere as well. So, in my uh, mind, it seems like she's really trying to infuse the emotions into her works. I think um, so. I even think. though she's trying to sell out. 
I think, yeah, I think she's she's all over the place there. And I guess Siri does all... Justice, they never explain what he does, and I'm truly fascinated. And I think the fact they don't explain is honestly pretty good, because the visions of what we get of what he does make seems to be wildly disparate. So I think he might just be an auto-genius. I think he's an auto-genius, I would say so. I, I, I kind of love Justice. I think, I think he's the kind of... Both Justice and Hoshi are characters I think could be very annoying or the, at least the worst parts of the show they were in but Hoshi is probably still the worst part but he's still funny they still get quite a lot of good mileage out of him especially when his brother yeah. shows up but Justice yes, is so espe- oh my god especially when his brother shows up his fucking his fucking snake guilty Justice is so fucking dope he's so cool we need more men like Justice in the world genuinely if more men during apparently extremely obscene Dajinshi in some direction that we never truly find out about, showed up looking at Black Butler characters all the time. You'd have to respect them. Yeah, the, the world would be healed. It would heal the world. The type of guy that could heal the world. I will say probably the, the one part of the show that is maybe aged in a way that isn't charming or if you're offended by this, you're stupid, uh, is the Sora and Justice stuff. Which, from as far as I can yeah. tell, is... So the anime leaves a lot of things ambiguous about Sora that I think benefits things. Uh, in that, we never actually find out Sora's age. They kind of imply a few times she might be an adult. Just No, they say space. one time that she's not allowed to, to look at it. They do, but we also... But that her... also might just be like, like... like But she's also selling at the events. She's also selling at the events, yeah. Yeah, and so it might just be like, she's got a child's brain, <laughs> which is not a great answer. Well, not great, but like... <laughs> oh, yeah, fuck. and then... From what I can tell, the manga leans into the haha epic lollicon jokes more with her, which... Which, yeah, understandable. I can see that yeah. certainly being the case. Yeah, uh, I think um, the, the anime... Gives you enough plausible deniability that it passes, um, it passes, <laughs> it passes the Maiden Abyss test. Yeah. Fair enough, like, fair well, enough. This, is, this could be made by a normal person. Maybe. <laughs> but, yeah. Conceptually. But Justice, Justice remains pretty funny. Uh, and Hoshi, Hoshi is like, you know what, I think he's glad, he, he's lucky that he was born in the era pre-VTubers, because, oh boy... The amount of super chats that man would send. Yeah. At least at least he's lusting after a flesh and blood woman who he does genuinely try to support in his own strange way. That's true. He does. Uh, let's... I want to talk about the live action so bad. Okay. I want to talk about the live action so, so bad. Where are we at? Uh, I'm, I'm ready to move on to that. I guess, I guess the one thing I'd like to say, just out of curiosity... Is I think mm-hmm. I'm both a Tsuri X Najimi and a uh, Kanu X Najimi fan. You seem to lean more towards the latter. Oh, I'm so hardcore Kanu Najimi for life. That's but fucking. Uh, this is like an obnoxious Tumblr post type of pitch Please, where it's like, imagine the he- Dojin author and the Yaoi Dojin author became rivals by getting neighboring tables and then they sort of fell in love. Like that's just perfect. It's just a it's perfect good. setup. It's really neat, and uh, it's it's the kind of rival. It's so good of a setup. In that, that it's like it, yeah and it's also really cute that the canada is the first person to realize that najimi doesn't actually want to sell out it's like, yeah oh. she knew in her heart she knew but, what her heart had in it the whole time because she lives in there she lives in there exactly she, lives in there. she knew it was in there 
She, she knew. She went to the matching crop tops. <laughs> the matching Arthur crop tops are so good. The bit where she just climbs on top. <laughs> Najimi and starts doing the backer, backer, backer thing before running away crying. I don't know what it says about me that this is, I think, the show that we've watched for the podcast. Maybe the, the one, the first one in months where I was screaming at my TV with how much I liked the pairing. Like, I... Oh. What does that say? I don't know what that says about me, but it is no, I, certainly I a fact of watching the show. Do you know why, Mallory? I'm, I'm actually going to have a very logical explanation for this. Hit me. Because we, as nerd adults, find it quite charming when we watch a rom- something that has romance aspects between nerd adults, it turns that out. Is, uh, that is true, actually. Yeah, I, I found it especially charming. You are right. Uh, on uh, account of the inherent relatability of the situations in hand. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Their bits are so cute. I... I also find just the Siri and Ajmi stuff very charming, just for how evil and strange. You know what? It's because Siri has a little bit of. She reminds me of a couple of things. Um, one of the things I put forward was Dark Miyako from his yeah. sketch. Yeah, a little bit. But she also has a bit of Ozu from Starry Galaxy. Oh, definitely. She's definitely the um, Ozu of Dojin work. Yeah. I, I, I would put it this way. Like, obviously, Kanero and Ajmi, that's the OTP. But um, I would read the hell out of, like, the most dark-sided Najimi and Tsuyuri Dojin. Fair enough. Like, that shit would go crazy. That's that's fair. I, I don't think we do dark-sided. I just, I just think it's very funny how much she, she... She's, like, a really interesting variety of, I guess, the Kudere, where she is very clearly affectionate towards Najimi, but the way of her showing her love is by doing... Terror. Insane acts, of, acts of terror, yeah. The fuck it, I I do think it it's it's a case of I don't really think of like you know we've talked a couple of times about how much shows feel about characters having comeuppances etc etc and whether that's good or bad but mm-hmm. I think the one in this where there is the ultimate um comeuppance towards the end where like Najmi's just like Siri you're being stupid and gives her the anime bonk and Siri just looks shocked for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Anime bonk was so good. And then she fucking takes off the anime bonk. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. the jokes are so good. I, I guess we can do best funnies. I mean, I've gone through a lot of best funnies already. Here's some uh, be- Here's a best funny for you. Okay. Um, When they're at the maid cafe and he pulls out the four yen bill. I was crying <laughs> at the four yen bill. Holy fuck. <laughs> was good. I think this show's best jokes are shows that are entirely background gags that have zero fronting. But they're just mm. exceptionally perfect like things to notice in the background. Uh, like, the bit where Burumakun gets eaten by the frog and is just replaced by the frog for the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. He's in, he's alive in there. When Sora wears the Bruce Lee Game of Death jumpsuit, just yes. in the background. Um, when Sora starts flying for one episode because she's dressed as a bee. Yeah. Yeah, um, fucking, when they have the, the, the doujin event at the seaside and their their booth says Same no Ana instead of Toru no Ana. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Oh, that's so cute. And they're, they're at the damn beach. It's so cute. Um, that one time when they transition wiped Justice off the screen and he just screamed because he was being obliterated. Yes! <laughs> that was so good. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's... Yeah, what a, a deliriously fun and delightfully short show. Yeah, it's really neat. It's probably one of the strong. Well, I'm not sure this is going to watched, but yeah, I don't know if the, if we did a ranking of funniest shows, this would be like really up there this for me. I think this might be there. top five funniest things we've seen for the podcast. I definitely think so. I think it's still my funniest, and I think it's just like it's a really easy recommend 
to if you're oh, in totally. the bracket who watches again who listens to this podcast, which you must be because you listen to this podcast, I think you'll find a lot to like about Dungeon World. But with that said, Mallory, do you want to move on to the live action section? I mean, I, we gotta talk about the live action so bad. We have to. All right, we will reconvene and we'll discuss our first or second ever live action show for the podcast. Actually, just realized. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. back with some not some anime but instead some live action yeah a rare a rare rarity for our podcast yeah despite despite our initial intent to have the first live action show we focused on be ted lasso uh we've been distracted instead by a different british people be like ted lasso ted lasso uh it's about a guy who's french he's from the southern end Ted Lesu. Ted Lesu. Ted Lesu. Ted is short for. Ted is short for Theodore. Oh. Bon. Theodore Lesu. Um, yeah, we so the second half of every episode of Dojin Work is a 10 minute segment featuring two of the voice actors, Momoko Saito and Kimiko Koyama, yeah. henceforth referred to as Momo chan and Kimi Kimi. Mm hmm. In a part of the show that is not Dojin work, it's uh, Kimiko Momoko's Dojin Waku Waku. Because Waku Waku is the Japanese on that's perfectly excited, and it sounds a bit like work. So, yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I've watched some live-action Japanese television, mm-hmm. but mostly in the comedy realm. Like, I've watched a lot of Gaki no Tsukai. Yeah. I've watched uh, some documentally as well. Um, oh, yes. to Matsumoto-san. Oh, I didn't realize it was in English. What? I didn't realize that had an English release. It did not. I oh. used my websites to watch it. Ah, uh, oh, fair enough. Um, but this is to say, I have a limited familiarity with like the what I assume is a pretty standard format of a Japanese reality docu live action yeah. thing. The variety show segment. I guess variety show called. segment. Yeah. I have a bit more familiarity with this. I used to listen to some... Uh, I guess I'm more familiar with the radio side of things. I used to listen to a bit of Seiyu Radio, uh, as you might know from my love of uh, Hiroshi Kamiya and Ono Daisuke. But also I've seen a few... Like, obviously I've seen stuff like Game Center CX. Classic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also some, I guess, less vaunted works. I don't... Even when I'm in Japan, I don't really watch that much variety TV because I don't really like it that much. But I've, I've seen a few things, a few of those sort of talk shows and... Uh, game shows 
uh, would say you and stuff. So I have I have some grounding in the field. Um, this is to say that the segments with our live action are about the two actresses Momo Chan and Kimi Kimi, mm-hmm. um, being presented with a task to complete in the time of the show's run to mm-hmm. finish and publish and print with a budget of merely five um 50,000 uh, yeah. bloomer bucks oh yes bloomer bucks how could i forget um to make their own doujin uh initially it sounds like each but then they are they do some math they do some numbers and like what they can print what they put out and they come to a single book with each of them doing half of the 20 page count so that's nine to 10 pages each depending on the cover page and like the table of contents and some omake stuff as well so um two women both with limited to no experience in drawing manga uh tackle drawing yeah. manga i think Suri's uh va said that she had done some art stuff before and it makes sense because she's definitely a better artist than the two of them yeah momo chan has a real um like children's illustration style going yeah. on with her beautiful like lush fat little cat that she ends up drawing yeah um, I think... kimi kimi really slugs it out with her goofy little mascot for coma situation yeah I think it implied that she drew either a Pokemon or Doraemon uh, fan art in the past, which would make sense for how the direction her arc goes. That would make sense, actually. I missed that. I missed that implication. Um, I think it's fun. Okay, a couple things here. Mm-hmm. Um, the presentation of the show is that there is an AD on the set who is Bloomerkun, who is giving them the instructions. And they're constantly referring to Bloomerkun as like an old guy who is in the room with them laughing at them and hoping that mm-hmm. they fail which is funny um there's also like the i feel like there is um an odd vibe where they're trying kind of to stay in character sometimes or like they're at least maintaining their character voices Uh, mm. but then when they get surprised and they lapse into like normal human voice it's i think it's a very funny very funny dichotomy happening yes i fucking hated these Um, bits this this you is fucking these. I fucking hate this is we know how he didn't have a one out of twelve like a lowest point show from last season we can sub this in yeah. there this was wow. unbearable two hours of my life I will never get back that okay so oh my god I hate why <laughs> why did you hate them so so much I think there's a few reasons one is <sighs> this 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 might need a lot of editing Mallory. Why oh, are they... you gonna get really misogynistic in here? Yeah, why were they talking that they were slow the entire time? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's okay. So here's something that here's my ignorance playing to my advantages. Okay, mm-hmm. um, my lack of familiarity with this kind of presented content yeah. from two women who are professionals in their field but yes. have not done manga and. It's like, I guess for me, there's this benefit of the doubt where it's not clear how much they have to rein in what's happening to keep it accessible for, like, the perceived audience. Mm -hmm. So the laconic pace of their talking and understanding of basic concepts was um, taken in stride by me because I didn't really know. I have nothing to compare it to, really. Um it's it was really strange, very alienating compared to like, uh, you know, 
English television I've seen with similar things of like, here is a pseudo celebrity doing something they don't normally do. His, we but both I think this, my main, <laughs> We like Taskmaster. Those are professional comedians, to this be fair. So they're going to be funny. Um, these women are professional doing baby voice slowly. Actors, but they're like so. Suri has like a Suri has like a normal voice in the show. If she was like, if Momoko was constantly doing Suri's voice, it would be fine. But and to be fair, I like Momoko Momochan a lot more than like Kimmy Kimmy. Momochan at least seems to break character quite a lot. I'm quite impressed at how much Kimmy Kimmy does the baby voice the entire time, but it's just it's pretty insufferable. It's pretty insufferable. But. Now, all that being said, all being said. Um, a- as obnoxious as parts of the presentation are, and they are annoying, um, I actually really liked some of the educational segments of the show. Um, namely, visiting the doge, visiting the mangaka's um, house where he's working mm. with his assistants, and also visiting the printer, where that guy talks passionately cool. about, like, uh, he talked passionately about how it's really nice paper, which is like hell yeah. That it was yeah. Um, and I think the culmination of finally getting to the event and what the event looked like is like really fascinating as like a time capsule and like a cultural snapshot. <sighs> that's that. But those yeah, it's, it's weird. It's fucking weird. I think the thing that's really annoying about it is that I could see part of this being an interesting little documentary or an interesting time capsule, but it goes out of its way to like prevent you from seeing things that would be interesting like yeah i think the bit where they go to hear yuki's apartment that bit's genuinely quite neat i think except i feel really bad for him because he looks like he just doesn't want to be there and really uncomfortable the entire time he looks like they didn't tell him they'd be <laughs> they doing that and he's acting like they didn't tell him they'd be doing that and also that he was like okay well they can come in but they're not gonna go into my room and break my doorknob and then she goes hi i went into your room and i broke your doorknob and he goes oh that's fine that one doesn't work so good um they find his towel of the characters from his show that he has they go wow this towel's well used and it's like yeah i just sort of hang dry they're like you should put it in the dryer and then it gets fluffy and he's like okay i would oh i wish they would stop talking to me it really yeah it was that just... was uh, awesome i was a big fan of that part that was very funny it was i i just felt bad for the guy. i was like this guy's got hard deadlines he's pretty i think he does, does like multiple series at once sometimes so i would have like, to yeah i'm just thought oh man please Please leave him alone. Please don't steal his fucking light up drawing, like, not not drawing to be tablet. Fair, they took the one that doesn't work so it, good, so it was definitely fair. a backup that he did not throw away, which is par for the course for a manga author. But like, that's fair. Yeah. That so this, fair. um, I would describe this series of twelve episodes as the first uh, three or four are like pretty hard to watch. Um, the bit where the bit where they genuinely just sit down for ten minutes straight and they I'm talk not... about the financials of what they're planning is, I thought that was really interesting, but it was like decidedly bad television. It was, but if, I like looking had... at financials, so I did if like they... that part. Like here's the thing, like I'm I'm really not blaming the say like I'm they are doing the job that they have been paid to do, but. If this was being explained by normal adults talking about it in a normal voice, it would be really interesting. I would be really fascinated. A narrator would have gone a long way on this. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, or like, or like, someone was just genuinely incompetent. Like when they go to uh, the, the, the the Tokyo Animation School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they, 
he's explaining how to draw, but the camera is zoomed out the entire time. So he's like, oh yeah, as you can see in panel five, you want to draw it so that the foliage is shaped like this. But it's zoomed out so much that you have no idea what he's gesturing to or what they're meant to be copying. They show you very little of the manga that he's actively drawing and yeah. trying to teach them how to draw. It's just like, I can imagine, even with them still doing his voices, this being like a somewhat interesting because I did actually find the bit where they went to the print shop like legitimately interesting because I had never seen what like one of those small press printers looks like and it was really cool. But it also has the insane bit of where there is a normal adult woman talking to them and it's just jarring. Yeah. <sighs> and then they start trying to like oh well, we can't afford that you're really pretty and she's like genuinely not ready for it's, any of that shit. It's so strange. I think the bit that actually made the most sad, though, and I understand why they had to do this, but it was like the thing that I was genuinely looking forward to, is when they go to Toronoana, and they go inside the actual shop, and then it turns into like a mosaic freeze frame of them walking around the shop because they can't show anything that was on yeah. the shelves, and that made yeah. me so sad because yeah. I would have loved to see because these days you know like anyone can go to Japan and you aren't meant to like take video inside dojinshi shops, but any fucking gaijin can go and do that. But no one in 2007 was walking around taking footage of Dojinshi shops. I would have been fascinated to see what was there and what the landscape was like. And we don't get to see that. We do see Kanata and Nana Mizuki in the background of one shot. That's right. Which is pretty interesting. Um, and I thought, okay, you know what? Maybe I can glean some enjoyment out of this through background details. And then they just deprive you of those as well. Yeah, that was uh, pretty tragic. And... Um... Definitely my most cucked moment um, watching these segments was when they weren't allowed to show any of the uh, Tora Noana circa 2007. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to mention some parts that I thought were cute and okay. that were fun. And I think the word insightful is not accurate, but no, things that not. felt... Insightful is not the right <laughs> word. But moments in this, um, you know, tacitly reality production that felt the most like some kind of reality to me in a way that I thought was cool. Um, when they are asked to work on their draft and produce something and they have to film footage of them working on their own manga mm -hmm. as proof that they did it, I thought that was very funny. Um, I thought that seeing Momoko's certified hashtag women's living spaces where it's her couch covered in Rilakkuma plushes was awesome. That was cute. And then contrast that with, um, Kimi Kimi going to a fucking family restaurant with two friends playing Monster Hunter in the booth next to her while she just hacks away at manga and is like, oh, I'm hungry. Did you get food? Yeah, I got food. I don't know. That part was adorable. I was a, that was my favorite moment of the two women demonstrating an amount of personality. That, that's the thing. Like, I have nothing... I, I've listened to Seiyu Radio. I've watched Seiyu TV shows before. I, I watched Tokyo Encounter. That show's good as hell. And if they were just being themselves i imagine this could be fairly enjoyable but it felt like there was little direction both for like what the team should be shooting and mm. also for what the women should be doing yeah which and... i guess adds to the low budget feel of the entire show because god knows it must have been pretty low budget when they <laughs> blow through part of their 500 dollar like like purchasing dojin equipment budget and then it's like yeah we don't like have that much more so here's a little bonus if you guys do this and it's like they seem to genuinely need the bonus and also it's an actual pinch on the resources of the production i have some sympathy for that it seems like it was a uh, very difficult for the people who made that live action segment to produce it yeah based on what they were given but 
it doesn't carry the content that we uh, end up having to watch. Yes, that's that's how I feel. And also, just like not getting to the Dojin event at the end, and we don't even really get to like we should have just had like an episode that was like page by page going through the Dojin tree. I would have loved to read the final products. I, I know that that it. I know the part of it was that it was airing concurrently. And that the um, Dojin event was where you could purchase a limited run of these actual physical things. Except they but make then the point also like... towards the end where they're like, oh yeah, actually, by the time this episode airs, the event will already have happened. So you won't be able to actually even go and see it. Yeah, and then it's like, we're also we're selling some of them online in, in less limited amounts, but still pretty limited. And then they just don't show you it at all. And it's like, fucking... It was it was pretty frustrating. Also, the whole the whole setup for all of this is that the profits they make off of the Dojins will pay for the post party event, and they show you none of that. They don't even mention it after the event. Yeah. Which is like like okay. The other thing was write down what you want, and then Momoko gets a PS3, which is by the way a, a another delightful slice of the that time capsule that yeah. this is. That those bits that was great. Um. But yeah, I yeah, I think that they forgot about half of what they were doing throughout uh, the 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 progress of making the show. Fucking um, women, grown ass women cannot count to like ten. Um, I, just... I don't know. It just seemed it was... really scattered and very strange. Their priorities were all over the place, and they they ended up nailing nothing down. I think by the end. Yeah, I I guess it was just because I'd watched actual Dojin work. I was like, you know what? Maybe that Otaku writes thing some people say is true. Maybe it's actually genuine because I was really, like, really, honestly touched by Dojin work. But, you know, it reminded me several years ago, me and Mallory and uh, oh, and, um, the guest from uh, Yuri Pig, a guest from the Stormatch episode, we went to Japan together and we had a great time. And oh, I yeah. was reminded a bit of that by Dojin work. I was like, you know what? Otaku are pretty cool. And then I was watching this live action bit. I was like, we should kill Otaku. Uh, the idea that there's anyone out there who would be genuinely enjoying this made me so depressed <laughs> that I I was filled with hate. So I admit, I actually this is this is my fault, OG. I fucked up this time. I didn't fuck up. I fucked up on purpose. Um, we ended up marathoning all of the live action bits in like the second half before actually watching the second half of the anime because we realized that having Whoa. to watch watch the live action afterwards would make us more depressed. It's just bumming you out. Yeah, it was, it was us bringing out. down the quality of the otherwise fun anime. Pretty much. So we did that, and then That's a couple of days afterwards, very funny. <laughs> we watched the show, we were like, wow, this show's really good and amazing, and we did not mention the live action once, because we both knew, if we did, the magic would be broken. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. I don't know if I had that antipathy towards it, because like I said, there was a novelty, mm-hmm. and I have a lack of familiarity. I was like, maybe, maybe... Maybe live-action TV in Japan is just, like, bad. And maybe they just watch stuff that looks like this, and that's not their fault. And that's why it, they have so much anime. It um, is bad, but it's not this bad. <laughs> it, okay, okay. Our, our official statement. It is bad, but it's not this bad, TM. Straight off. Our final review on the Dojin Work live-action segments. Kimi Kimi and Momo-chan's Dojin Waku Waku. Yeah. Um, it was not that Waku Waku, and the parts that were potentially Waku Waku were neutered neutered to have as little <laughs> excitement as possible. Um, yeah, alright. That was fucking weird, but yeah. there you I, I am it. just about glad I watched it, just because it was kind of interesting. What I did, The thing I enjoyed the most in the end was all their hairstyles each episode, and how yeah, yeah, they yeah, all yeah. had like fucking clumpy PS2S hairstyles but in real life they really all look like space channel 5 
They really did. They all look like fucking Fantasy Star Online to me. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I the, the one thing about these segments that tied back into the show for me was just sort of the snapshot of, of Hiroyuki's working space and his attitude mm-hmm. and his behavior. I think it did a lot to sell um, Dojin work as a passion project of his yes. built off of experience and like from his um, coming from his heart and soul, his his, um, you know, that that is his passion. And I think that that snapshot of him as an awkward, awkward fucking nerd with his extremely nerd studio full of like memories and stuff that he holds to be important and stuff that helps him with his work. I thought that was very adorable and very yeah. sweet. And, and, and I'm glad I saw that part. Um, the other 11 segments are pretty <laughs> take it or leave it, but the printer guy was a fucking Pr- epic. printer guy was cool. I, I think the printer episode and the parts of the Hiroyuki episode where they aren't terrorizing him are pretty good. And I do, the one thing I, I know he said about um, maybe he has connections because of his relationship to the Jinshi industry, but knowing that Hiroyuki did study at an animation school also makes me wonder if that's why he has connections that keeps on meaning his uh, manga keep on getting adapted. Yeah, I mean, that would not surprise me at all, frankly. Makes sense. If you work in doujins, it's networking. Mm-hmm. Ne- doujin network? Question mark? <gasps> wow. Whoa. Okay, uh, Ronka wants to stop talking about this, so let's go. <laughs> um, okay, well, that was a live action. We've talked about the anime. This brings us to our delightful and selected little uh, mailbag for the episode. Ooh. As always, thank you to everyone who writes in at funthingspod on twitter.com. And aftfpod.tumblr.com. More on that later. Editor out. Where you can find a full archive or a partial archive. We're going to start uploading stuff to there uh, over time. We want to have a nice hard copy for all of the work we've been putting out. It's been a fun project, a passion project, if you will. And I think if anything does happen to X slash Twitter, uh, I don't want to lose that. So it's going up on our Tumblr. Oh, and also, if you guys have any favorites of our release posts or mailbag posts that you'd like us to preserve forever, let us know, and we will keep them there. Yep, please. Uh, So please go to our Twitter and our Tumblr and leave us questions and comments on which things you want us to save. We'll we'll be doing that. We want to save them. It's been fun for us, and you guys have done a lot of adding of the fun, so thank you. Absolutely. And without further ado, here's more fun that you guys have added to our podcast. Thank you. Our first questions come from at Tsukihime Dmake on Twitter. Hello, piss. Piss. First question: favorite Paishan Dojin? Uh, it's it's still burned by my side. So the thing about Paishan is that I stopped translating Paishan's works because they get actually like a bit shit after a while. Uh, but the first three of which I translated to are really gold. But burned by my side is still easily the best thing I've ever written. So good. So good. Uh, second question. Uh, my answer is the same. Obviously, I'm less of a Paishan expert, but I agree. Burn by my side is uh, Poggers. Um, next question. Could they make Dojin work today? I sort of alluded to this because I saw this question when I was uh, taking down the mailbag earlier, and it sort of stuck <laughs> in my mind. And I think that if you did make Dojin work today, you would have the potential to do a really interestingly meta adaptation of it as a low-budget show, um, which is... yeah added to my enjoyment of a lot of parts of it when I was watching. That's I my think... opinion. I think you easily could. I, I suppose the question is, uh, do you mean like a re-adaptation of it or do you mean a modern version of it? Because I would also really enjoy a modern version of it. Or do you mean like cancel culture would have destroyed Dojin work, which I think you, I could see that maybe I... being an aspect of this, but I think it'd be easy to not do that. I, I, I mean, 
I, the only thing that, that cancel culture could really remove from the series is probably the bit of it that feels most uncomfortable, so I'd be fine with that. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fine with me. Um, uh, and the final question is, what's the most fun work you've had with a doujin? <laughs> we've had a lot of doujin work ourselves over the years, you know? We like, have, We've I done suppose. a lot of translation. Yeah. We've enjoyed a lot of it. Um, I've enjoyed a lot of it. I think our doujin work has been very fun and rewarding. I don't know what's um, pretty good. I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, one so... of the most iconic doujin moments uh, is actually related to a Paishin moment, where I had someone else do some editing for me on one of them that was really, really, really bad uh, to the point... Oh my. <laughs> we might have to illustrate this on the Tumblr, where... Oh my god, we're, we're giving it away. Our secret. We... Our bold secret. secret. <laughs> they... They chose some really interesting ways of typesetting things, including random capitalization, which meant when Shuko says the line, I need a piss, the capitalized is, I need a piss! Uh, all and this caps is... on need, all caps on piss. And this is still, for some reason, the uh, server image for the server where, uh, not the, not technically the podcast server, but the server where several people who have been on the podcast are on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the, you know, like the scanlation team server, as I refer to it. Yeah. Uh, Which essentially liked... it is at this point. Yeah. I like translating a certain future, uh, potential future guests, um, Shikiyasu Doji into Japanese to get that printed. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. That's right. See how it goes. Uh, Mallory, we've, we've still supposed to work together on a few Dojin sheep. I don't remember any particularly funny instances except I you think... saying. Why is the bleed so bad? And we go, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not fixing yeah, it. Yeah, um, <laughs> that is true. Uh, what, I think one of the things we've worked on together that I had the most fun working on was probably the Cutie Beast stuff by Mira. Oh, I just yes. have a fun memory of the back and forth on that. It was, I think it was, um, that was a commission. So it was, was our most hectic, like, individual work period. And se yeah. Sorry, second most hectic, actually. Um, oh, I just, God, there was yes. lots of nice fun back and forth <laughs> and, like, busyness and, like, mm. um... Oh, let's get this edited. Oh, that's good. Oh, this reference is so funny. Oh, that's nice. How do we like the setting? I, I don't know. I remember that being a very nice little like it was nice like a like busy active back and forth. And it, it was just a very delightful workflow. We were working I, honestly, on very very tight time restrictions for someone who was really underpaying us in retrospect. <laughs> oh yeah, super super underpaid. But that's what Do Dojin work is not about ah. making money, as we've learned. But so what sure. if it was though? <laughs> yeah, There's best. definitely a universe where that that is my full time job, and I am just extremely happy and healthy. Um, maybe with a slightly worse back posture from all the computer <laughs> stuff, but other than that, I I think I'd be great. Um, our most hectic work period was when we rushed to uh, beat the pirates, beat the fucking the scalpers, the, the snipers, snipers, to uh, a certain chapter of a certain manga that we had. Um, well, Ranka really had uh, popularized at the time, and I actually hadn't worked on a single part of it. I don't think and you from like had you. I think I'd done maybe like chapter two at something at, at some point, but like at this point we're like well into the run of it, and it's getting popular. And, and this one group decides to start like doing a worse version of it faster to get clicks. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing about like the scanlation um, hustle is it's always like if you're just doing the popular thing, I don't know what the point of sniping is unless you're like this is the worst translation I've ever seen, which I I doubt it. The frankly, first the translation wasn't that bad. It was like it like I think one of the reasons I gave up at the end is because their translation was like adequate enough. I was like, yeah, we'll let it slide. Yeah, I'll, I'll go but back. Remember, to... there's one chapter where. Oh. We all we busted our humps to get it out like minutes after the Japanese mm -hmm. release dropped. 
Yes. And that was our most hectic, like, hour or two of work to just put out that chapter as soon as possible. Um, For genuinely, once again, for no reason other than refusal to, um, refusal to submit our clout to some random fucking, like, Black Clover fan group. Yeah, even better, um, our guest from the Comic Girls episode, uh, Marissa, was also there being extremely right. ill halfway past out on oh, the yeah. bed at the yeah, time. Yeah, Marissa was just unwell. Us. That's so funny. Uh, shout out to when Marissa got the world's worst fucking food poisoning from the noodles. God. God, what a time. Yeah, those are some fun memories of our Dojin work together. But all yeah. in all, like any of the valuable stuff, um, I think I think for me the best parts of Dojin work are when I see friends or acquaintances or just random people on online post uh, screen caps of stuff that we've worked on, and it's like it's, yeah, it's nice. We're it adding nice to the fucking culture, and that's mm-hmm. genuinely what it's all about. Yeah, I think to that end, uh, all of the uh, the Tammy Fudu stuff has probably been the most rewarding to see reposted because there's that's, a lot of it and people yeah, loved it. Yeah, people love that. Uh, including that one shot about the really toxic couple. That's a hot that one. one's. I'm glad. When, like I like. Um, so fucking glad we did that. So did you want to go out? But the I mean that one was barely me. That was that was mostly you and Yuripeg actually. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I fell off at some point though. I think I did the first like fifteen and then someone else took the reins. No, no, no. I no, do you want to go out with me, but uh the Oh the the one shot, of course. Yes, yes, yes. I was like, I don't think I did any of that, but I'll take your word for it. I think you did. I think it was I think it was like our last proper collab. I think so. Yeah. Been a minute. Been a fucking minute. For me for me the one that is is runaway with me girl being in English and having that title. Like I'm I'm not yeah. saying I did it. I think it's the genius of Baton's work making one of the best romance manga of all time. But it, it's kind of nice. <laughs> it's kind of nice. Shoutouts to Baton. Um, Shoutouts to Baton. I'm Tammy sorry for pirating your work. I'm glad you like the title so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh, yeah, Jojo's do, do work know is great. The, the particularly insane fact about that. Uh, no. Runaway with Me Girl is on the Japanese covers now. Wow. Yeah hashtag made it hashtag it's, we made it it's in i i still feel kind of bad about it i feel like i should see if i can like try and get my con i should use my own dojima contacts to at some point meet batan prostrate myself in front of her apologize and then buy her a drink <laughs> that would be huge you should pull this off i should try that's crazy we should do a right. podcast no we shouldn't we, <laughs> we were uh, both you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens yeah, God. Um, okay, thank you, Piss, for your questions. Thank you. We got nostalgic already after the first really set of is. questions. We're we're in there. Up next, we got some questions from at QVotoms on Twitter. Hello, Karen. Karen! Uh, question one. How funny is it that they never put Dojin work characters into Kirara Fantasia? Um, I was... That was huh. kind of curious, because I assumed it was because it was like Kanamemo. I was like, oh, lol, you can't expose people to this. But like... You could just put Najimi in. It's not that crazy. Yeah. yeah. I assume it was. I assume it was. It was too old, and too many of the VAs had just like disappeared from the industry. I mean, a lot of the VAs seem to never have existed in the industry, frankly. So <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I think what must be part of it, or part of it in my mind, is like if we presuppose that the Kurafantasia isekaiing of characters is an act that happens onto their universes respectively, mm-hmm. Dojin work is so real that it happens in, like, our universe, where you can't get isekai because it just doesn't happen here. So they're mm-hmm. just still working on their doujins, wondering, like, I wonder if any characters from uh, works that we, we read in Kirara 
right? They're one of the many series where Kirara is oh, a physical thing you can actually purchase, right? So maybe they're playing Kirara Fantasia, you know? I can see that. I, yeah, I'm really curious. I do think the fact that Lucky Star came out, I, have you read any of the new Lucky Star? I have not. I have not read the new Lucky I, Star. I haven't either. I'm curious, and I'd be very curious to see if, because Hiroki is still so active, if Dojin work got a Shin Dojin work in like 2023, what it would be like. That would go crazy. I think that that would be amazing, actually. It would actually be pretty cool, yeah. Um, speaking of Hiroyuki, our next question. Did you know that Hiroyuki's sister is a manga artist, too? She hasn't done anything anyone cares about, but her G JP Wikipedia page does note her personal pronoun is Boku. Awesome. That's good That's fascinating. Have. I did not know that. Do you know uh, that looking um, up Hiroyuki, the mangaka. Do you know that the Naruto author's brother does manga as well? Is that true? Yeah, like not a joke. He's done like a lot of like sort of successful manga that have never got an anime, which is really funny. That's that is actually very funny. Oh, she's the older sister. Interesting. Oh. Um, and she has done a series of works, um, like Bloody Monday. And Wait, Bloody what? Monday sorry, two. sorry, 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 sorry. Did this person just say an author that no one cares about, and it's the fucking artist of Bloody Monday? I don't know what Bloody Money is. Um, um, Karen did say that, though. Megumi Koji uh, did the art, not the story for Bloody Monday. Yes. What's Bloody Monday? Bloody Monday is a really successful shonen thriller. It's never had an anime, but has had, like, four different live-action adaptations and movies and stuff. Wow, okay. Dope. Uh, yes. That's fucking sick. Uh, then you know what? Let's just spend a second here. She's also uh, done the art for Soryuden. She's done the art for this the... man, very importantly. Um, oh my god, wait, that's so funny. She did the art for this man, that's she incredible, that's man. so funny. Not oh a good series, god. but yeah. No, but very funny. <laughs> um, the art for Kangibanka, wow, that's hard to say. Kangibanka, cool cover, cool art, but no synopsis even on um, myanimalist.com. The art for Akma colon game. Oh, um, yeah. And the art for Negai Goto, um, 300,000 kilometers per second. That was a great title. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there we go. That's a series of works. Okay, well, you know what? That's why we do this, is so we can learn. Yeah. Um, speaking of learning, I went to Hiroyuki's Wikipedia page, and he is known for doing type moon uh, uh, doujins in particular. Interesting. So he's a big Tsukihime and Fate Stay Night uh, doujin guy from prior to his uh, serialized uh, comics. I mean, if if he had to stop doing doujin she work as part of his official contract, that would have even been pre-Fate Stay Night. It would have been pre-Fate Stay Night, but it yeah. does say that he has done doujinshi based off of Tsukihime and Fate Stay Night. So maybe, maybe between manga contracts, he snuck some in there. That's fair. I mean, they do mention in the show that he is still technically selling doujinshi, both yeah. his own characters, so I guess that's a bit more allowed. I guess so. I mean, that's valid, you know? Is it doujinshi or is it extended universe? Who knows? Mm, interesting. That's a question for, like, I don't know, Disney lawyers. Um, and the final question from Karen. Is Justice, age 50, doing Blue Archive doujins? Let's, no. let's, let's take apart your comment of age 50 okay. first, okay? Because if, 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 if Osana Najimi is Osana Najimi with all the other characters, which is the premise, right? That's the gag. So they're roughly the same age, right? Yeah. I assume, I assume so Justice Najimi, was a so... couple of years older, but like... So maybe Justice, still? maybe he's 25 in the TV show, yes. maybe. 
But I yeah. doubt that because they comment on Kaneru being 24 as that's old. So, <laughs> let's say Justice is 25 uh, in 2007 or, f- or 2004 when the manga came out. So yeah. he's now not 50 yet, so hold your horses. He will be 50 in like 6 or 7 years. That being said, I think he would crush some Blue Archive doujins. I feel like he would be a Blue Archive person. I feel like he is... He's probably, like, one of those people who's really into, like, the third... Like, those, like, third-string mobile games that, like, carries on for years that no one ever talks about in English. Like... that, Like, no, that's his know... true love, but he's also drawing Blue Archive doujins as I well? think he'd be drawing Umamusume. Oh, I think he's an Umamusume guy. I, he's an Umamusume guy. You know what? I can see that, because if I'm picturing, like... Okay, do you know, like, the drawing of Sensei? Like, the little blob that is, like, the fan, like, depiction of, like, Gag Sensei and all the porno and stuff? Have you seen this at all? In I Blue Archive work? I'll show you it later, or we'll post it on Tumblr as well. Oh, I can't love saying we'll post it on the Tumblr for visual yeah. reference. Super this is the, the new multimedia future of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, there's this, like, gag drawing of, like, scribbly pencil and crayon Sensei that is, like, the general fan-accepted... Whenever Sensei is in a porn situation, but he's just a guy, he looks like this, and it's a very funny stick figure. Right. If I'm picturing what Justice is, like, like who he is, he's more suited to be the faceless Umamusume trainer than he is to be the faceless, hapless Blue Archive Sensei. So I think I might co-sign that, on that alone. I, honestly, he reminds me more of, like, the artists who would draw the... the still, like, technically... R18 male aimed het doujins, but the ones used to draw like the Take PX Kaide from Cinderella Girls doujin, she were like, I guess uh. this is porn, but like, you've clearly thought about it. Like, you're clearly genuinely in love with this relationship between the two characters, but you also want to see Kaide sex. Like, it's auteur pornography. That's what I think. I've seen what we know yeah, of I his, can see that for sure. his tastes. But he's also probably into something weird. You know what? He's probably into the OMSMA girls having horse dicks. Yeah, that would that would, would, would check, check out. out. That would make sense, actually. Yeah, and so he can't publish those because you'll get in trouble from no the horse racing government. The horse will get in trouble. Um. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Karen, for your questions. Thank you. Up next, we got some questions from at Shikdits. Hello, Javi. Javi. On a scale of one to ten, how hard is Dojin work bracket two thousand and seven to Google if you don't include the release year? <laughs> That's very funny, actually. Oh, I would. They, I, I would bet the answer in... is very, but it didn't happen to me. Yeah, I would type in Dojin Work anime in that case, or Dojin Work. I would type in Dojin Work anime as well. I did that. That's I did that every time to the point where I never had that issue. I'm, I'm gonna just type in Dojin Work into 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 Google and see what it gets me. It gets me the man the 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 series Dojin Work. Okay, there you go. Uh, so what what is that on 1 to 10, Ronka? Where would you put that? Zero. <laughs> Zero. All right, Chick. Bad news. Sorry, buddy. Uh, question number two, and this is one that we alluded to, but let's talk about it now. What's Sora's deal? Is she just there to wear funny little costumes? I mean, I appreciate that, but why is she hanging around with a bunch of college students? So she's at the events. She's allowed in, and she sells the doujins. So she kind she has to be like eighteen, right? Yeah. You can take but then they're at the table, events. and they're saying like, "Oh, you can't read those." And it's uh, it's. Yeah. I don't know, man. Wouldn't I, worry about it. Her job I is to wear the funny much. costumes. The the one thing that does make you wonder is that we do technically briefly see what seems to be her mother at the end. Do we really? 
Yeah, when she's at the uh, table signing the contract with. Um, That's right. The big brother. But also, but also to be fair, um, it seems like everyone else lives at home still too. This is also true, yeah. So it might just be her mom's there. I don't know. At the risk of being the devil's advocate here, it is a it is a mixed bag, let yes. alone a dicey topic. I, uh, I do yeah, think I don't know. It would be funnier if Sora <laughs> was just a twenty-five-year-old woman who acts like that. Would be quite yeah. Funny. I mean, I think that that might be the joke, but it's just not clear. And I think that that's also on purpose. Uh, respect uh, to the game, I suppose. I suppose. Um, uh, final question from Shik. Uh, number three, if Najumi secretly worked on Dojinshi after going pro, what would her pseudonym be? Um, I don't know what the Japanese for this would be, but her pseudonym would be It's Hard Making Friends as an Adult. <laughs> or something to that effect, right? That, I could believe that. I could see that. That's oh, a funny she... joke. We like my funny she... joke? It's pretty good. Uh, I, I think she would probably be stupid enough that she would just translate... Um, love Hurricane into Japanese and just go with that. Yeah, that would go. Yeah, Love Hurricane would be great. Um, Ai Tatsumaki. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Ai Tatsumaki? Dude, my genuine reaction when I back quarter circle kick on Ken. Um, <laughs> thank you, Shik, for your questions. Up next, some questions from uh, At Umantin. Hello, Ama. Ama? Uh, and this, these are all live action questions, but um, I think okay. they're good, so don't be mad, Ronka, okay? Okay. Uh, question one Bochi's VA had to learn guitar. Sora and Suyuri's VAs had to make a doujin book. What anime should have gotten a bonus show in this mold? Um, this might not exactly be what you're looking for, but when I read this, the first thing that came to mind was how the actors at in bang dream especially for i believe roselia and popping party had to become full functional live bands yes i think a show where they are like let, let's call it like a uh, hell's kitchen type environment would be great for like learning music uh, as that group together like just Dude, equal that, parts, equal parts like big brother life, uh, i mean it probably was that in real life so i would have loved to watch that equal Fair parts enough. big brother equal parts um uh it slipped my mind uh, Whiplash. That would be great. <laughs> would, I would love that. I was thinking of those like Korean uh, uh, reality shows about them forming up an idol group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be... Something really toxic I think would be very fun. I know they wouldn't put that out, but I would love to watch it. Let's see. Because there, there is a more recent example of this kind of show where I did watch a couple of episodes of the live action part and just didn't really enjoy them very much, which was uh, that um, Yakunada Mug Cup More show. Oh. Like mug cup has a live action bit where they just like go around a couple of tourist places and talk about pottery it's quite boring it's not like doesn't evoke the same reactions this did but i watched a couple of them and i was just like i, I really don't care about seeing more of these so i i would like to see one of these done well i would like you know what have them go actual fishing in real life and slow the slow loop cast the actual loop fishing loop. would go crazy not gonna lie DIY, I think actually building a project would be really cool as well. That would also be You can fun. even do the like... same thing of like developing a skill set, meeting with experts, talking to them. I think the key is just to get voice actresses that know what they should be doing for the presentation, or yeah. you get a narrator. Yeah, just just make it better. Just to smooth over the edit, have like footage of them 
someone else talking i think that that would just make everything so much more imminently watchable yeah yeah you've seen it on these shows but good is the actual answer yeah like this yeah pretty much i think the format is not an issue but just making it good would be awesome i think and yeah in terms of what i would love to see i'd love to see one of those fucking idol idol groups have to learn their instruments and like form the band and like practice and stuff i think that'd be awesome i'd love that i am really shocked they haven't done that with one like the a male idol like 2.5d kind of series oh yeah because yeah, yeah. i feel that like could that, go. that, that would, could go could potentially make huge money so i'm really shocked they haven't done that yet Huh. There you go. Uh, Japan Broadcasting Companies. There you go. Million dollar idea. Bring me up. Bring me up. Hyakuman san yen idea. Um, <laughs> next question from Ama is um, Didn't expect those two to cook Hiroyuki that hard on their visit. Which other mangaka deserves to be humiliated in their own home by the VAs of their show? He did not deserve to be humiliated. Hiroyuki was just doing his fucking job. And I don't believe two... this question is actually supposing that he did deserve to be humiliated. Okay. But what other mangaka, as in a different mangaka, would deserve to be humiliated in their own home? You know what? I would be fascinated to see a uh, cool Kyoshinshin's home. That would be great, actually. It I would, would love that. that I think that cool Kyoshinya should get uh, fucking carpet bombed in his own house. <laughs> um, I don't have quite level of... Uh, of... Uh, outright the antipathy is not is not that real but like i think that it would but, it would be a necessary public shaming event that i think would humble it would him. be that's how i feel which yeah. that would be good i think that would be great um i think on that regard i think also nisio isin as someone that i greatly love and respect i think that hero hero hiroshi kamiya should just like show up and just like fucking hit him with that mile a minute shit <laughs> i think that would be delightful that'd be pretty good he should like force him to go outside and go shopping and shit uh down man say man as well he will never get any of his work uh voice but i would also love to see what his home looks like period yeah i think secretly this is just us naming um famous manga writers we just want to see the homes of well i mean that is kind of what the question it's is kind of I would, yeah. these, okay no okay deserves to be humiliated cool kyoshin is the best answer we've said so far mm-hmm. i think nisio you see and i do love him he does deserve to be knocked down a peg in some meaningful way yeah he'd probably enjoy it though he, that's the thing is i think that he would deserve it but also he would get off on it so that's fine i think i'm okay with that are you talking um, about the the bakemonogatari um uh like episode commentaries no i should no no i've been meaning to watch those for a while they're neat because they're for the audience they're done in kind of in character it's like the vas are talking fairly frankly but they're also talking in character and um shinobu's va really doesn't like monogatari it turns out <laughs> That's, that sounds really funny, actually. <laughs> that sounds really good. That would be great. Um, so, all right. I think he's used to it. Next and last question from Amma. Um, mm-hmm. What's your relationship to voice actors? Ever watch these kinds of programs, radio shows, idol-like activities? Um, Ronka alluded to this earlier. Uh, or Ronka talked about this earlier. Um, I don't know that I've seen much of this at all, honestly. Um, I've seen a limited amount of live-action um, Japanese television. Uh, I've, I, there were a couple. This is really dumb, but there is a very old promo show for um, Hotori-san that Hiroshi Kamiya and I believe, I believe um, Ayane Sakura or Kanahanazawa, or maybe both of them or one of the two are promoing, 
And I think it was, for some reason, was one of the most popular Mad voice uh, samples for a long, long time. So there was a lot of really good Mads based on that um, footage. Sorry, this is the worst answer of all time. I've seen none of them. I've seen some uh, Mads where they make funny songs out of Feroshi Kamiya and Hanakanazawa Screaming. That's about it. Fair enough. Uh... I'm going to edit that down. That was horrible. <laughs> I I don't... I, I can enjoy say radio stuff and whatnot, but I... I don't like it when they're too clearly going into the idle mode, so to speak. The ones where it just feels idle mode like... is scary. I'm not built for that. Yeah, it does. That just doesn't work for me. But like when it's just them chatting, and I know it's also still a form of idle mode. But like when they're instead doing, you know, their cleaned up radio personas, that's fine. I, I can enjoy that when it's done well. Uh, but yeah, I I've never gotten too. I used to be a bit more into it. I don't think these days I'm really equipped for it but you know you do occasionally see the funny uh shots like the speaking of hotoris um hotori seiyu is like ripped in real life it's actually slightly weird is she there's, actually yeah there's a really old variety segment of her just like doing like a bunch of acrobatic stuff and she's like ripped ripped but like she is shockingly gym body athletic that's crazy that's really funny But yeah, uh, uh, we're talking about Chiaki Omigawa? Yeah. I'm yes, that's sure right, that's right. Interesting, interesting. Good for her. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, I think that's going to be our answer. Um, thank you, Alma, for your questions. Thank you. Uh, our final set of questions, double-checking the bag real quick. Double-checking that bag. Yeah, our final set of questions is coming in from at Mean Machinery, the Thunder Round. Thunder. Question one. The characters seem to draw original doujins, but what real series do you think they would draw doujins of? Hmm. Oh, we've got to be ear appropriate as well. Yeah, I know, right? It's kind of tricky. I'm... Yeah, I think... Gosh... 2006... Um... This is just before Hitalia... So Oh, it's so over. Um yeah. Wait, okay. so oh, I think that I could see Najimi doing mm. like realist sorry, not realistic, but like extremely grounded het DBZ romance. That would be really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I I can I can kinda see it. I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say maybe an unexpected one. And you might see this out of character. I could see Najimi doing strawberry panic dojinshi that aren't explicitly Yuri for some reason. Oh my god, that would be so funny. That I would think... be so fucking stupid, but so funny. <laughs> Tsuri, uh, I think she's probably drawing a lot of, I guess, what one would call flavor of the month series. Uh, I think she would probably draw a lot of Shakugan Shana porn. Yep, yep, uh, yep, yep similar things from that era. I think she'd probably move oh, into whatever what the... Tsuyuri, what if Tsuyuri crushed some Kanazuki no Miko? I guess that... I guess that does cater to one of her fetishes. Yeah, it does. I think it does. I think it does. <laughs> uh, that's possible. I could I could see her being into it. Tsuyuri always gave me the, the vibe of one of those artists who is a woman who draws a lot of het porn of the female characters she has crushes on. Oh, that would go. Yeah, that makes a lot That's of sense. That's the vibe I get from. I feel like she's a she's a big follower of like the Kugirie kind of characters, mm -hmm. and probably draws a lot of those. Is the vibe I get from her. 
Um, gosh, I think that I think that Kaneru, uh, should be housing gravitation. It's a bit too late for that. It's too late for that, but I think wouldn't that add to her charm of being an out of date Fujoshi? It, it would be kind of cute. I mean, but she, also she does... I think there's a sports angle too with her stuff, right? Yeah. I don't know what contemporary. Oh, sp- Prince, it, of that, that no, Prince of Tennis. Oh, still... Prince of Tennis. Prince of Tennis. Yes, there she you would go. Be... Okay. Oh no, fuck it. Be um, Oku- um, big wind up. Okuri um, fu- there's there's a few decently popular baseball series in the era. Okay, heard. Okay, cool. Major as well, I think, yeah. Um, then, who have you not done? Um, Justice? What I, it... Hmm. I don't know. I... I feel like Justice would, like... Pardon my pun. He would really... I think he would take it upon himself to do justice to extremely crazy and detailed series. I could see that guy doing, like, another 100-page piece where it's, like, an entirely, like completely detached from the reality of the show where the characters are just doing an entire other adventure sort of like what is it those those are uh, melty blood um manga that like that's oh, what yeah, i'm picturing the, justice the doing ones is like that are technically official the technically yeah, official ones but he would just do that for whatever i think yeah I honestly think... i could see him getting into type moon frankly um, yeah no i think i think him being a type moon artist would make a lot of sense type moon i think he would also be quite into that um utawade Dumono. The thing with yeah, the guy with the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Muffle love. He'd be a big Muffle love fan. Wow, true. That's that is also true. That's He's true. he seems like he would be really into doing fan works for the big, long, intellectually stimulating but still kind of fetish porny <laughs> visual novels of that era. Yeah, yeah, that could make sense. How do we feel about a little, a little, a little curveball here? Um, how do we feel about Bakano? I feel like he no. might vibe with Bakano on some. I think he'd like level. it. I don't know if he draw. I don't think he'd draw it though. Yeah, no, probably not. Uh, um, I, I think... guess finally we have. Oh, go ahead. I think go ahead. going along with Justice's implied omnivorousness, though, I think he'd also be into like the BL Nitro Plus games. Like he'd be True. into the Gainu no Chi. Uh, when Jurassic Murder dropped, he'd be crazy into that. But that's what he is that like. is true. He, he, yeah, omnivorous is a really good way of putting it. I, I definitely agree. Uh, and then Sora has has shown herself to be an extremely competent shoujo author. Yeah, an outstandingly competent traditional shoujo in the sense of like my brain conjures hot gimmick. Uh, when I see her work. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I go a bit more innocent than that, but sure. <laughs> well, like more innocent, sure, but like the style, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, you know what's probably... contemporaneous with 2007 for me is uh, Shugochara. Something we yeah, Shugochara. Something we've already mentioned. I could see it. I could see her drawing. What, like, what if she went hardcore on like Shugochara, like 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 long like long con fucking like uh, Ami head romance stuff. That would be or yeah, Ami head romance stuff. Amaru with the the goth boy, Ikumi, and fucking the cat president boy. guy, the cat yeah. boy. Yes, yes, yes. The love triangle between the cat boy and the president, Amu. Like, she would just... I think she'd devour she'd that. that. for real, yeah. yeah. Um, that'll do. That'll do. Okay. That was fun. We all had fun. Yep. Um, next question from the Thunder Round is about Sora. Can Sora fly on her own, or was it the bee costume that gave her the power of flight? Bee costume. Bee costume. I yeah, she clearly got... doesn't exercise it elsewhere, so, you know. Yeah, she's a bit Kirby, she's a bit Balan Wonderworld with it. She puts on the costume, <laughs> she gets powers. She should definitely make some more Kirby sounds. I think that would be awesome, actually. That'd be good. Actually, pardon me. 
Um, and then the last question is, was the real Dojin work the friends we made along the way? Yes. I think so, but I think the yeah. real Dojin work is also the Dojin work, you know? Like, you're just, like, you're enjoying the process. Yeah, I think that's... Right. That's part of the, the, part of the process, as we find out, is hanging out with your friends. Yeah. Uh, you know, hanging out is genuinely an important part of the creative process, and not enough, peop- not enough people will respect for themselves, you know? Um, all right, that'll do it for our questions. Thank you very much, so. uh, Me Machinery. Thank you to everyone who wrote in on a lesser Especially known... for this show, of all things. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, thank you so much for writing on this show. Um, <clears throat> well then, without further ado, let's wrap up the episode. Mm-hmm. Dojin work. Once again, Don't let's just are. ignore the live action, frankly, because yeah. it was sort of like this tacked on afterthought that was largely unentertaining and poorly produced for an otherwise well-edited short f- or form core of anime. So, Ron, <laughs> what were your thoughts? I really enjoyed the show. I thought Dojo was really personally appealing and a little bit touching to me, because if you remember during the Stella Maho episode, I went just completely insane at how much I loved that show. And this doesn't necessarily have the profoundness of Stella Maho. It trains that in for being really fucking funny, consistently, both in a fun time capsule way for Dojinshi and fan culture of the era, but also just having pretty good comic chops, regardless of of whenever you'd be watching it. But I think the thing it really touches upon, and the opening of the show, we don't talk about the opening at all, which is fair, it's not like see a good song, but it makes, it very clearly lays out what the show is about. It's the song it's that's about basically about... Work. It's about it's about <laughs> drawing stuff with your friends. It doesn't matter who they are. You're gonna get along. You're gonna create something. And that's the wonderful thing. Is it's um, it's not anything heroic, but you're still going to feel something at the end. And I thought that combined with the whole Comicette 100 Friends Forever thing, I think really touched into why I enjoy the show so much. And that I think it really captures a, a shockingly authentic sense of these kinds of relationships and these kinds of friendships with with more nuance than it really needs to and then ties that up with a mixture of light-hearted but you know a slightly moving reflections on how you can make something shit but why you should still be proud of that and why yeah. it's good that you as a person is creative and also be really fucking funny because i can never at any time from now on i touch anything with good paper i'm just gonna be thinking, I'm gonna be thinking about how good the paper is yeah pretty much <laughs> So yeah, uh, I really enjoyed the show. I think it's super duper charming. I think if you've ever taken part in any kind of IRL fandom activities with friends, you're going to find things here that are relatable, but at the same time, it's not just playing the hits. It's going to give you like genuinely funny things that feel like, oh, I'm in someone who is in the hands of someone who has been in these situations and knows how to mine them for maximum comic potential. So yeah, really good show probably one of the top 10 things we've seen the podcast really fond of it yeah i didn't um i think even after the first three or four episodes didn't expect to like the show so much but uh yeah very fun highly enjoyable um proof in the pudding of our theories Mm -hmm. on short on short anime being strong and uh, completely valid and also smart moves sometimes yeah refreshing to have a comedy that is so fucking funny and so on point (laughs) so sharp and also um has that very sensible through line of like just care about what's important to you um i i like i like so much the 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 obvious setup of najimi oh i'm gonna get into doujins for the money which is a great punchline in and of itself 
and mm-hmm. that becoming this running gag of she'll be like oh i don't know if it's my best work and then suyuri is like what do you mean don't you mean i don't know if it'll sell that well and she's like oh yeah i guess i do i guess i do mean that i guess and she's second guessing her own priorities and then boom the money deal happens this crossroads and of course she takes the correct option of loving the work itself and the friends she makes along the way and the um the office women with the insane uh teddy bear um delusional moments and uh yaoi rivalry the gl makes the right choice the gl and the bl on the show is 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 good um really really good genuinely cannot believe how much i loved the yuri stuff in this show um did not expect that whatsoever especially after you get this sort of um the misleading head bait of the introducing um hoshi as a character but my god does he get owned he gets so Um, fucking owned he gets so fucking owned yeah good show um i think it's funny okay so i wanted to i was thinking i was toying with this throughout the episode i was thinking mm-hmm. let's do a new segment where if this uh show we're covering has reviews on anime news network from 2009 on the dvd oh, releases oh yeah, yeah 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 we can contrast and compare and okay. then i remembered that they just review random dvd releases which are random segments of the show yes. so this fucking um person uh had like a very scathing like Mm, yeah, the antics of the cast are typical uh, otaku comedy, and it carries none of the painfully true-to-life weight that they should, nor the inside of, say, Genshiken. Uh, and then it just talks about how Genshiken is really good, and then about how much they hate the live-action stuff, and it's unacceptable as an extension of otherwise um, only 50 minutes of anime content, which is a very funny way to review the first third of this show. <laughs> um, it was a different time. They did say, they did use the words reasonably nifty humor in this review, which I think is delightful. It's beautiful. Uh, and then the review of the third DVD um, is consistent fun factor, occasional howler of a joke, not completely, though definitely mostly devoid of substance, still saddled with an hour's worth of fun smothering live action tripe. <laughs> 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 like, really funny. I, I wish I disagreed more. Anyways, the fact that we don't disagree with uh, Carl Kimlinger uh from 2009 oh, he, is, is why he's we're one not of the gonna... better ones that's all right it's fine this guy seems he's all the right ones i truly hate <laughs> big up carl big up my man carl. carl um medium up my man carl anyway so we're not doing a new segment for season four onwards where we look at the reviews on um uh ann but if I, I they're funny also, if they're funny everything I won't else do that. is probably 2015 onwards but i would be curious to keep this bit going oh i'm gonna start pulling up as much old stuff from ann as i possibly can i think in honor of this show frankly so Thank you to Dojin Work for reminding me of the good old days, bracket 2007 through 9, um, before literally I was watching anime, but like, can you imagine? Um, yeah, no, very fun show. Sorry for the stupid diatribe, but like, fun show, charming, does not need to be profound to be an extremely enjoyable title. Uh, great Yuri, great jokes. Don't worry about the live action. Genuinely, there's two separate torrents on Nya for yes. a reason. So just download the anime and you're set. You're all good. Yeah. You're literally missing nothing. If you want to see the printing press in action, uh, watch episode. Um, let me help you out here. Ten watch 11, episode right? ten. Yeah. That shit's awesome. Nine for cool. the uh, uh, author terrorizing, and then ten for the printing press tutorial. Those are really. I cool. think you watched nine and ten without the context. The rest of the bits to be more bearable anyway. So yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, Nine Nine has a bit of the fleeting charm of the interview where that um, the Pokemon Idol lady uh, interviews um, 
uh, Hirohiko uh, Araki about Jojo, the lady who wants to marry Jotaro, right? Yeah, yeah. Jotaro? Yeah. It has a little bit of that charm, but obviously that is way better. So instead of watching live action, go to YouTube and watch um, uh, Pokemon Idol interviews Araki in his home, uh, which is Nakagawa fucking awesome. Nakagawa Shoko? Nakagawa Shoko. Thank you, Ranka, for respecting women enough to have the name in mind. Um, so, uh, that's the show. Uh, Ranka, what's... Uh, What's next on our plate? Well, Mal, you might have to edit this out. I'm looking at two shows right now. Uh-huh. Uh, or, do you, or do you want me just to just say one? Go fuck it. Uh, I was hoping you go... would just say one. Okay. I, just, I can just say one. I was hoping you would just say one. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mallory, I thought this show made us very happy. So uh-huh. I thought it might be time to find out what's the opposite of happy. Perhaps the show was unhappy? Oh, okay. Yeah, alright. Uh, that's not a reaction to the show. I don't know really much about Anne Happy. It was a really forced pun, but I have to respect it, because that's a good, good bit. Uh, yeah, we'll be watching Anne Happy from 2016. Yep. I wonder what that's uh, about. I, I, I hope don't know. it is I an assume... enjoyable experience. <laughs> <laughs> alright. Alright. Uh, it's fucking 40 million degrees in my room. I need to turn my fan louder. Uh, which is going to interfere with the microphone. So, before we do that, uh, thank you for listening. And thank have you. a great two, potentially three weeks. We'll let you know. There might be a delay, well, yeah. but I think we're back on our two-week schedule. So, mm-hmm. in two weeks' time, we'll talk about Anne Happy, and you'll be here to listen to it. So, bye-bye. Bye. Maui, was this week's fun thing fun? This week's fun thing was pretty enjoyable. It was not yeah, as hard cool. of a work as I thought it was going to be, but it was a dojin. <laughs> okay. Bye. It was fun. Bye. It was fun. Bye. <laughs>